Blog Talk Radio. Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com to follow us on Facebook, become a fan on Twitter, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Combach Feeds. At Combach Feeds... Our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H. Feeds.com or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Just a cap full a day directly into their water is all it takes for a stronger immune system. Introducing ePoultry, an all natural, whey based soluble that will help improve your flock's overall health. Made by farmers for farmers right here in the USA. ePoultry is a safe, all-natural way to give your birds the strong immune system they deserve. Learn more and purchase at www.eanimalproducts.com. That's www.eanimalproducts.com. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. 
I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coupes and check out their integrated coupe accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coupe Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coupes because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strombergschickens.com. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new way to water your flock. Chickens to turkeys to ducks to peacocks. Nothing to lose, so start today. Not a major water, the easy way. Learn more now, you can't go wrong. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com.
righty. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper, brought to you by Combox Feeds. Yet there's only nine days, 12 hours, 21 minutes, and 10 seconds until Christmas. So, uh, do you got your shopping done? Hopefully you have. Tis the season. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. He'll be joining us. Got a great topic. I can't pronounce it, but we do have a great topic today. If you don't know what it's all about, get those pens and papers out. Get ready to take some notes today because Peter is here to share his knowledge about keeping a healthy backyard flock of chickens. Our regular listeners can tell that I've got a cold. Actually, I'm just uh, now kind of getting uh, over it. Today's the first day on the downhill slope. Today, Yesterday pretty much was, uh, well, let's just say it pretty much sucked. But, um, yeah, it goes to the family pretty rapid. So Caleb had it first. And in the process of taking care of the boy, of course, then the girl gets it, and we got to take care of the girl. And then, of course, Daddy gets it. And then uh, we're all going to knock on wood that Mama doesn't get it. But you parents out there, you know what I'm talking about. So, oh, my goodness. But I'm going to soldier right on through this and... Uh, and we'll have a good show today. Uh, regardless, just try to ignore the uh, uh, coughing, sniffing, sneezing, and uh, everything else. My crazy uh, talking out of the, the nose type of voice. So, uh, But anyway, great show lined up for you today. I've got a real brief chickens in the news to share with everybody today. Let's see, this comes to us from... Who is it? Let's see, is it a newspaper... Uh, the Associated Press uh, from uh, Mobile. Big and wonderful chicken group down in Mobile. Very, very well organized. Mobile, Alabama, very well organized. One of the best I've ever seen. Nashville, Tennessee has has an amazing group up there of organized chicken keepers that worked very hard for three years to get a law passed. Three years. Finally got that passed. And then a Mobile, same thing. Worked very hard. And uh, chickens are there allowed uh, now, of course. But amazingly, I say amazingly because this doesn't happen very often. This is how awesome that group is down there and getting and doing things, I guess, the right way for what they believe in. But I guess it was last year because I remember a couple of years ago I was on tour and I stopped in Mobile. And uh, I know a lot of the folks and a lot of the members and the people who run the group. And uh, they took me out to dinner, actually. Beautiful, wonderful seafood uh, restaurant there on the bay. And uh, a guy leaned over to me and says, hey, what's what's your opinion about, and can you give us any information about getting roosters approved in the uh, city? There's, uh, we'd really like to do this. And I would just kind of flat out, very upfront with him, I said, you know, <laughs> you know, I've... Uh, done a lot for backyard poultry, I feel. I've probably changed more laws and helped people change more laws around the country than anybody else. But uh, what's that old saying? I don't have a dog in this fight. Okay? Um, Even as a responsible chicken owner, I, as much as I'd rather wake up to a rooster than an annoying GE alarm clock every morning, on those mornings I don't have to wake up or those mornings I want to sleep in or those before I had kids, remembering those days when I could sleep late um, and those times when I did have a rooster, 
And even though I had to be up at 6.30 or 7, and I was waking up at 4 because of the rooster, okay, um, I don't have a dog in that fight. You know, if you, if you're something that y'all are passionate about and y'all want to do, go ahead. But um, it's it's a touchy situation for me because I would not want somebody living next door that had a rooster that would wake me up at 4.30 in the morning or even 5.30 or 6.30 or even 7 o'clock in the morning if I didn't have to wake up at 8. But yet, do I want my other neighbor on the other side to wake me up at 6.30 every morning if I don't have to wake up cranking this Harley to drive to work? Of course not. <clears throat> you know, does that just, do you have a neighbor that wakes up and weed eats and blows his driveway with his uh, 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 gas blower at 7 a.m. every Saturday morning? A lot, of, a lot of you do. So I completely understand that. Uh, I understand the uh, the rebuttal of, well, you don't want a rooster next door, but I don't want to hear your weed eater at 7. You know, I completely get that. Um, one is not much different than the other, you know. Uh, if there's a rule, if there are quiet hours from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., um, and somebody is weed eating at 6 o'clock a.m., you know, and they're breaking that rule, if they are truly breaking it based on the amount of decibels and whatnot for that sounds ordinances, call them out on it. Call the authorities. Just like if someone next to you has a rooster that's crowing at 4.30 in the morning, call them out on it. Call the authorities. You know, rooster, weed eater, Harley Davidson, loud kids. I don't care what it is. It's all the same principle. If it's if it's a nuisance, report it. As much as I love chickens and promote chickens and, and, and you know, would probably not have uh, mine having a rooster, hey, you know, it's, it's not for me. It's funny, though. I, I mentioned this. It's just interesting how when we were fighting across the country, all these different places, and people would want to come up with the uh, sustainable. I want to be sustainable. That's why I want chickens. I get it. But guess what? You can't be too sustainable without a rooster because eventually you'll have no more chickens. <laughs> so a lot of these ordinances are passed. No roosters allowed. So really kind of this I want to be sustainable, that, that argument really doesn't fly because you could rebut that by saying, well, Mr. Smith, you can't really be sustainable because we're not going to allow roosters, and you'll never be able to have or, or continue your flock without a rooster. Yes, you can get hens everywhere and pullets and order them, and I get that, but as as a contained farm, you can't be uh, too sustainable without a rooster. You'll eventually have no chickens. So, hey, I've heard it all. <laughs> I've been doing this a long time. So, um, so I don't really have a, a, a dog in that fight, uh, if you will, because I've been woken up by my own rooster at 4.30 in the morning, but I immediately solved the problem. Um, and uh, just like, so so you get where I'm coming from with this. So so this title of this article, Cock-a-doodle-don't, Why Mobile Wants to Pluck Roosters Out of the City. And this is actually after, about a year ago, uh, they did a lot of uh, lobbying to get Roosters approved in the city. You're going to do this responsibly. You can only have one rooster. <coughs> da, 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 da. And, and, and they actually approved it. You can now legally have roosters in Mobile, but now they're either, either a, uh, a lone rooster on the loose or someone has a rooster that is not uh, maintaining it uh, responsibly. So here we go. As the cartoon rooster Foghorn Leghorn might say, go away, boy, you bother me. In Mobile, though, it's roosters that might be told to fly the coop. A renegade rooster or an unruly chicken coop is alarming some residents in the Oakley Historic Garden District. 
Early morning crowing is waking them up earlier than the alarm clock. That's according to Mobile City Councilman LaVon Manzi, <coughs> who, along with Councilwoman Bless Rich, will bring forward an ordinance Tuesday prohibiting roosters inside the city limits, except for areas zoned for residential agriculture far outside of the district and downtown Mobile. I know that sounds almost comical, but it's a serious issue for the working residents over in the Oakley area who have to deal with crowing roosters. <coughs> I've received several emails and phone calls uh, and from residents who have to work and whose rests are being impacted by the early crowing of a rooster. He added, we realize that our ordinance wasn't as tight as it needed to be in that respect. Manzi said the complaints were forwarded to the city's public safety committee, which is chaired by Rich. She said the proposed rooster ban is in addition to the city's newly revised animal control ordinance approved by the council in April. <coughs> Pardon me. Remember, I've got this cold. We found out roosters were prohibited in the past, yet the new code was silent on the issue, therefore allowing them. The ordinance doesn't ban chickens or coops, which meet certain standards and are permitted by the city. Chickens, according to the city ordinance, are to be kept in a house, coop, uh, ark, or yard that is okayed by city animal control. This is the first time mobile officials are looking to regulate one particular animal since uh, they mold the possibility of a ban on feeding wild animals. Um, let's see. The measure would be tabled. The measure, which was tabled by the council in May, was pitched by Mayor Sandy Stimson. Let's see what else we got down here. Um, where'd I go? Scroll down on me. <coughs> the administration is not involved in the proposed rooster ban, and spokesperson Lori Byrne deferred questions and comments to the council. We received from complaints, and I don't know a remedy outside of a rooster ban. That's the only remedy that I know that'll work. Uh, he doesn't know who owns the crowing rooster. He said that even if the city knew who owned the bird, there's nothing they can do since there's nothing in the animal control ordinance addressing rooster ownership. Um, but I would guess to say, this is on me now, that there's probably some ordinances on noise and disturbing the peace and um, uh, nuisances as well. So there's things I'm sure that they can do. Um, there's probably not an ordinance that says that weed eaters are banned, but there's probably a noise ordinance, Mr. Manzi. Maybe I'll give him a call there this afternoon. <coughs> we thought it would work itself out, and it didn't, and so now we have to use leverage we have to bring peace and harmony back to the working folks. Uh, let's see. Um Okay, cool. Does it have anything listed about the current club there, if they've been contacted? But I'll post this over on their Facebook page and see what they have to say about it. But but you heard my comments earlier today. I don't really care if it's a rooster or a weed eater or a Harley Davidson or Loud Kids or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I, yeah, I'd rather wake up to a rooster when it's time to wake up at a loud alarm clock. I get that argument, but I don't want to wake up at 4 in the morning. Heck No. So um, it's one of those things. I guess you got to pick your battles, but um, you know I don't think they're going to ban 
Harley Davidsons. If somebody wakes up every morning and cranks up the Harley to go to work, it is bothersome folks. Think they're going to ban that? Nah. Think they're going to ban weed eating uh, at 7 a.m. on Saturday mornings? Nah, probably not. Um, so interesting. Also, another thing that people have talked about on the show in the past when we've talked about this is <coughs> we've even had chicken owners call in and say, hey, uh, my neighbor, as much as I love chickens, they have a rooster and it grows all day long. I work out of my home. I work in a home office all day long. That silly rooster crows. And I can't work. I can't even have a phone conversation without the rooster being heard in the background because they're so close, blah, 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 blah. So I've heard it. It's just kind of like the folks that, that they get all mad and angry when a dog owner's dog gets into their yard and kills their chickens. But a lot of times we see chicken owners that when their chickens, because they want to free range, I want to free range my birds. I want to give them a good life and let them free range. It's That's why I'm keeping chickens to non-natural, and, you know, uh, but you know what people spend on their flower beds and their gardens every year? It's, it's staggering. And your chicken goes over there and scratches up their new bed of, of annuals or perennials, and they can do some serious damage. Oh, but uh, but it's just a chicken. Oh, but I want them to free range. I don't want to contain them in a cage. Malarkey. You as a chicken owner, as much as I do and love for chickens, you have the same responsibility. Is that dog owner keeping his dog on his property? not killing your chickens as you do to keep your chickens on your own property. I don't want your chickens coming up, walking on my front porch and crapping all over my front porch or my sidewalk or digging up my flower beds any more than I want my neighbor's dog in my yard doing his duty. Okay? So it goes both ways. Just because you love chickens doesn't give you any more rights or any more uh, on that pedestal than the dog owner. goes for rooster ownership, too. You've got to be responsible. So that's today's chickens in the news I wanted to share with all of you guys because uh, i got a lot of friends down there in Mobile, and we'll be talking to them, I'm sure, a little bit later this afternoon about this and what they uh, are planning to do about this. <coughs> and uh, I'll remind them, i say, hey, I told you that <laughs> you'd probably have a hard time getting that passed. They got it passed, which really amazed me, but now it's maybe coming back to bite them in the rear end. We'll see how that goes. So. Anyway, we've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. We're going to bring him on live right now. And uh, you own a bunch of roosters, uh, Peter, in your backyard. And, uh, uh, you, you know, you, you deal with that as well. But, I mean, I, I, you're a pretty reasonable guy and laid back. I, I think I'm, I don't know, I think I'm spot on with all of this stuff. You know, I don't want to be woken up at 4.30. Yeah, I think that um, I think that what what has to take place is people have to have a little bit more respect for each other, and I think um, you can see the trend over the well, quite a few years now. There's less and less respect from one human being to another, and that manifests itself uh, in this kind of a, of a situation. Um, I have left here now uh, 12 birds, uh, one duck, and. Um, uh, there are, I believe, um, give or take one, okay, uh, it's either eight roosters, four hens, or nine roosters and three hens, and, um, of course, the duck. And, um, yeah, we've taken relatively extraordinary uh, steps to keep uh, them under control, 
to keep you from you know getting uh, annoyed by them at you know crazy hours of the morning. Um, you know, contrary to popular belief, uh, you know, we did a little bit of a show on this at one point in time too. I do believe, or at least we did mention it on one of the shows that. Um, you know, light has nothing to do with with them with them crowing. It's it's their circadian clock that that triggers triggers that. And you know, in in uh, in tests done on roosters, uh, uh, I believe it was a Japanese a uh, couple of Japanese scientists that did this. They uh, put them in total darkness, and at four o'clock in the morning, they just crowed anyway. Irregardless, there was yeah. absolutely zero light in the in the in the building. And uh, you know, four o'clock, four thirty came. They started crowing irregardless. And, uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's no different for our roosters here. So uh, some of the things that we do, uh, besides having them in a building that's well insulated, uh, which, you know, cuts down on any noise that they do make, um, we have panels that fit over the windows uh, that are insulated as well and fit into that um Three and a half inch space between the window pane and the inside uh, surface of the uh, of the coop, so that further uh, keeps the uh, uh, containment of the noise within the coop itself. Uh, is it a hundred percent? No, but it's uh, you know you, you've got to want to hear it in order to hear it at any crazy hours of the morning. And then yeah. by and large, you know we generally don't let them out till you know eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know, most people that live here are up and about and everything else, and uh, and they're they're pretty quiet after a while. But um, when I say a while, you know, that first 45 minutes to an hour, they all get around, push each other around, and and <laughs> go to their respective places where they hang out. And uh, you know, once they're full of food and everything else, they go they they go sun themselves most of the day. And uh, so we allow ours to go in and out all day long. They can either stay in or go out. Uh, rain, shine, snow, cold, doesn't matter. Um, and that kind of thing, but yeah, there are a lot of things people can do. It's just a matter of getting off your backside and wanting to do it. And uh, you know, some people will make that stand. Well, I can have a rooster, so therefore you just have to like it. Um, to me, I guess that's not being a good neighbor at all. And uh, like I said, if people had more respect for each other, they probably wouldn't have half the problems we have. And um, yeah, yeah, you know, you know how it is, neighbors. Everybody's had. Or I shouldn't say everybody. Most people have had a yeah. neighbor that was cantankerous at one time or another in their life, and uh, um, you know, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, they're going to stand on their little piece of ground, no matter what. And um, you know, if they've got the law on their side, uh, that's fine. But I agree with you. Um, I know most areas uh, have ordinances for um, you know noise um, and that kind of thing, and. Um, uh, I know even in some some areas, uh, you know, uh, private trash companies can't even begin to pick up trash before seven o'clock in the morning because they make so much noise when they come through a neighborhood. And uh, so it just depends on how good a neighbor you want to be and what kind of fights you like to have and and that kind of thing. I don't like to, uh, I don't associate with my neighbors. Uh, it's not my, uh, it's not the way I conduct myself. It's, it's a high and buy thing and. Uh, Certainly, if they needed help, uh, you know that's not a problem either. Um, you know, I've got one that borrows money from me on a regular basis. Um, you know, uh, not large amounts, but always seems to be short and wants to come by and get twenty, thirty bucks and whatever every other week or whatever it is. But um, so I'm not above doing that. But I don't have also don't want to aggravate them either. And uh, yeah, you know, there's there such a thing. You know, if you want to keep roosters, you know, rooster collars. What's, what's wrong with that? 
um, they do work properly applied. Um, and I, I know we did a little bit of a stint on it on one show. I don't think it was the crux of the show, but it came up during it, and I, I had given out a website. Uh, so on the other side of the bay over here in Maryland uh, contacted me in relation to it, and uh, I, um, they were, he was having trouble with uh, uh, the people over, over there in his county, where city where he lives, and uh, uh, he was trying to get the city council to okay the rooster collar thing, and uh, they work perfect. Uh, he used to have, uh, his website's got video of the bird actually with it on, going around doing his thing. W- once they once he quieted the bird down and got to that point, then they come back and said it was inhumane. So you know how it goes um, when they don't want something. And um, but uh, m- my involvement was to to show and to prove that it's not inhumane whatsoever. Um, and the bird proved that through the, just his own interactions on the, on the video, eating, drinking. Training, uh, running around, mating, uh, being a rooster, uh, except for the fact that that shrill crow uh, was not there, was well, well muffled, uh, and should be, you know, very well tolerated by most people. But, you know, that's the nature of the beast today. So, you know, I think you're you're right on the money with what you're saying. Uh, I don't want to hear it either, even from my own at four o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know. And uh, that's not, you know, to me, that's not how you you conduct things. You. Uh, I don't want the attention. So uh, other people, I guess, thrive on on the attention and the uh, uh, the fact that they um, can aggravate somebody and get away with it. I guess maybe that's another way to put it. But um, I, um, you know, I used to say it a lot in the beginning of this show. You know, if they were calling in to be argumentative about some minuscule little thing, call somewhere else because I'm not interested. You know, and uh, by all means, if you know more than I do, then don't listen. Um, I don't think that I know everything either. I learned every stinking day because that's what this is all about, learning and and, and going on and, and uh, giving out good information, solid information that people can, can actually do something with and get somewhere. So uh, that's uh, that's what we're all about. That's what we do. So I agree. I just saw that, and uh, I'm, you know, I know the folks that run the group. They're a great bunch of folks down there, and mm-hmm. I remember vividly going out to dinner with them, and the guy leaning over saying, "Hey, what do you think about roosters?" And I basically just told him what I told told everybody on the air, and he's like, "Well, we're going to try to get it approved." And I said, "Well, good luck to you." And I was really surprised when they got it approved, and uh, <clears throat> now it's we'll see what happens now. Well, you know, some people, as you well know, um, you know, just love to be argumentative about things, irregardless of their, whether they are right, wrong, or, or indifferent in any way, shape, or form. Um, right. You know, uh, you know, there are a lot of things to be said for birds that free range, um, and and uh, and so on. But you know, you also can run into. Uh, Abnormalities with birds at free range that you may not run into with uh, birds that are, you know, in a pen of some sort. It all depends mm-hmm. on how you keep things. You know, my birds, you know, here they're not free range by any stretch, but right. they have an awful lot of area to to go into uh, for you know a dozen birds. Um, the coop is way oversized, uh, you know, for the amount of birds we have, um, and I like it that way. Um, you know, I like the fact that they can get away from each other if there's an issue with one bird and he wants to get away from somebody else he can. And uh, yep. you know, I also know that I don't necessarily need to have any kind of heat in my coop, but I choose to do it for a number of reasons. And when I right. say heat, I'm not talking about a heating unit. Uh, 
Yeah, when you use suite of heaters, you're talking about maintaining body temperature is what you're doing. You're making it easier for the bird. They're using less body resources. Uh, they're able to maintain their, their, their weight easier. Uh, and it also is less stress. So less stress means uh, less problems. And I've, you know, to myself, who is the only person I really have to prove anything to, is that I've proved it here. We do absolutely zero zilch nothing for this flock because we don't need to. And I may bite myself in the foot with the statement that I make from time to time, but, you know, we don't do anything for them. Fresh air, clean water, plenty of food, and plenty of space to get away from each other. They're happy as pigs in manure. <coughs> and, uh, I think that's maybe how the, uh, how the man cave started. You know, you need plenty of room to get away from each other. And now uh, you've got a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could see that working in probably some instances for sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, now, you know, all things being being equal, it it really boils down to at the end of the day, uh, you know, how well you manage things, how well you take care of things, and um, uh, you know, I've been studying for some time uh, some emerging diseases, things we don't haven't yet talked about on, on this show, and at some point in time, uh, when I feel comfortable enough that I know enough to talk about it, um, you know, I would. Uh, you know, venture to maybe you know do a show on those things, but uh, they are um, viruses that are carried by wild animals, uh, turkeys in particular, that um, uh, could be detrimental to your flock. And um, mm-hmm. it, it was at one point in time uh, uh, viruses that were uh, more in Europe than they were here in wild uh, turkey populations, and. Um, the evidence shows now, uh, research at least that I've seen, and I haven't completely finished my research on it, but uh, the people that I've been in contact with uh, that, are, that are researching this uh, started back in about 2005, 2006 when they started to uh, to notice it, uh, and it may have been there prior to that for sure, but it uh, became a, um, a uh, issue that they wanted to study back around 2005, 2006, and uh, so I would call it, uh, at least in the wild population, uh, an emerging uh, disease. Uh, it is a disease uh, that is sim- similar to uh, lymphoid leukosis uh, and uh, uh, the uh, reticuloendotheliosis uh, virus uh, that uh, the chickens get to. So um, it, it, it is an emerging deal, and we'll just have to keep an eye on it. And uh, at this pro- point in time, uh, it's not a threat to the commercial poultry industry, so we'll have to see how much effort will be put into it dollar and cents-wise uh, over the over the course of years. It's kind of like uh, when you look at uh, you know people who hunt and everything else, uh, you know this chronic wasting disease in, in, uh, in, uh, in deer and such uh, is a problem. And... Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to confine it and so on and so forth. But there's always a downside to almost everything that you do. And if you're happy free-ranging your birds, by all means do so. Um, you know, far be it from me to to uh, to get in the middle of that deal. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think, though, you, you, you just, if you, if you, I think the key there, like you talked about, was do your research so then you can make an educated decision on what to do. Sure. But then... If you free range and you lose half of them to predators, you know don't 
crime, come crying to me. You did your research. You knew the risk was there. You knew this was a, a side sure. effect, if you will, of doing free range. So you, you need to go into it expecting that. I tell folks, and this is probably an, extre- an extreme, if you want to free range 100 birds, go ahead and buy 200 because you'll eventually probably have 100 um, <laughs> that, that you want to free range with. And again, that's extreme, but I'll also tell you this, talking about the man cave, uh, and, you, and you may agree with this, Peter, but I seriously doubt any argument has ever been started in a relationship while the man was either doing dishes, doing laundry, or vacuuming. Would you agree? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, argument... <laughs> yeah, Probably not. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I think I could go along with that one for the most part, yeah. <laughs> Well, I got started on this uh, this uh, program today. Um, the uh, this is a, a disease. I think we covered it three, four years ago, two years ago, two and a half years ago, to a degree. Uh, the reason I bring it up is I've I, I've seen it several times again. At least I think I have. Uh, you have to understand that I don't always have access to uh, uh, laboratory uh, reports and stuff. So sometimes we go on. Um, what kind of medication we used on something uh, and the symptomology of it and whether that standard um, uh, treatment with antibiotics or whatever uh, cured the situation. Um, So this one here, um, while it's not 100%, we can make some judgmental things about whether or not this particular disease uh, is in a particular flock. It is, again, one of those diseases that can pop up uh, and does pop up in uh, the backyard setting, especially birds that are allowed to uh, to free range. Um, it is um, something that uh, if you were built up litter uh, and um, you had an excessive fly population in the summertime, uh, this also could uh become a, a problem uh, within your your flock, and what we're talking about is spiroketosis, okay? And uh, I get accused every, every now and then, I've been accused by a few people using big words they don't understand. Uh, sometimes you have to throw them out there uh, and just um, uh, try to wrap your head around it. If, if you can't, just remember this about it. It is a bacteria, because some people say to me, well, why don't you just say it's a bacteria? Well, because there's different bacterias, and there, there's different... Um, uh, sizes, uh, different configurations. I'll use that term uh, that people can understand that a little bit better. Um, and uh, so this one's a little bit different. This this bacteria um, uh, is an intestinal parasite uh, and and loves to uh, uh, attach itself to the uh, through the the mucus covering of the intestinal tract. Uh, and it causes uh, severe cases of, of diarrhea. Um, sometimes uh, from this you'll get some uh, pasting of, of the vent uh, and so on. But what makes this, this bacteria different uh, is that this has um, uh, uh, flagella or is a flagellate, okay, and meaning that uh, it has little hair-like appendages that are attached to it uh, that it uses for uh, moving around, okay. Uh, for lack of a, of a better term than that, um, keeping trying to keep it simple with this particular uh, disease. Uh, there are multiple different uh, uh, species of this, uh, some a little bit more aggressive than the others. Uh, none of them uh, outright, unless they're left unchecked for long periods of time, 
cause any great degree of, of mortality. Uh, these are seen in many cases in commercial operations and, again, in backyard settings, uh, small flock holders uh, who have had the uh, uh, misfortune of, of, uh, of getting this disease in their flock. Uh, and so this is uh, technically on the surface, uh, it appears then as a diarrhea uh, that is not treatable from the standpoint that you uh, will try a lot of the standard therapies uh, because this can cause some uh, brownish uh, droppings uh, that are quite watery, one of the first things people will jump on is coccidiosis. So they'll, they'll go and they'll uh, run some ampril in the water for a while, um, and that doesn't work. Then they'll grab some uh, sulfadimethoxine when it was available, uh, and they'll put that in the water, and that doesn't work. And then they'll get some uh, Solmet, and they'll put that in the water, and that doesn't work. And... Uh, and then they'll call me, and uh, uh, on the surface, um, you know, not having access to any laboratory uh, results, uh, we'll switch off then to a combination of uh, neomycin, bacitracin, and concentrated oxytetracycline, and that may or may not work. Um, just depends on the susceptibility of, of the organism to the antibiotic. And at the end of the day, we'll we'll come back and we'll look and see with this particular one uh, that because of the of the bacitracin being in the in the uh, uh, in the mix it may or may not be making the situation uh, worse so um, th this is a a, uh, a problem that is uh, it depends on what literature you read over the years and who you speak to and about it and everything else but uh, it's estimated that about 40% of commercial birds have the problem at one given time or another. Um, and uh, what it will mean to the individual who has it in their flock is uh, reduced body weights. That leads to reduced egg production. That leads to uh, poor eggshell quality. Uh, due to the diarrhea, there's a uh, appreciable amount of uh, staining of the eggshell, uh, which makes uh, eggs be downgraded if you can't get the stains out certainly makes it harder to clean them with uh, a fecal matter stuck to the eggs. Uh, and it's, you know, look, it's no big deal. If you've got birds and you've got 40 birds and you get one egg that's got some manure on it or was, was uh, laid in a nest that had manure in it, that's not a big deal. But if you've got 40 birds that are uh, uh, in a diarrhea situation, uh, there are other complicating factors that come in on top of that. Now you've got 40 eggs that have to be cleaned real good. Uh, that have fecal matter attached to them in, in, uh, uh, in varying degrees. Uh, but you've also got wet droppings and you've got wet litter, and now you've got a coop problem. You've got, you know, litter that's, that's constantly wet, uh, uh, adding to the fly population, uh, adding to the odor situation, uh, adding to the possibility of coccidiosis on top of this. So, uh, the, you know, this is something that needs to be looked at. Um, not saying everybody out there has this particular problem, but every now and then it's good to kick these things back up to the top so we can take a look at them, talk about them, understand them. So when you're at rope's end with your diarrhea, um, you know, you may want to take a look at, at this one. And if you've got a, a veterinarian who is uh, friendly uh, uh, you know, to you and will, will do a fecal exam for you, uh, you're going to want them to, you know, look for your coccidiosis and then... Uh, uh, look and see if there's anything else uh, hanging out in these in these droppings, and 
There is a more sophisticated test that's that's used, uh, which is a PCR test. They're relatively expensive. Uh, most of your bigger university uh, vet labs can can run those tests uh, for you uh, if you feel that you need to uh, uh, you know to to go that route. Um, and I want to interject a couple other things here. I think are important. Um, <clears throat> we've talked numerous times about you know controlling the situations and the things that you can control. Um, so as summer approaches uh, this coming year, uh, the spring being wet and what have you in most places, uh, you know, you're going to want to control your, your fly population. I think that's, uh, that's the first thing because flies and rodents are generally how these things are spread through fecal contamination by humans, um, birds that have it, so, uh, and you don't understand it or don't realize it, and then you bring in new birds and mix them with that flock. Um, you know, uh, you you end up then uh, exacerbating this particular problem and perpetuating it. So, um, you know, we we talk about gut health, uh, which is extremely important in this particular situation. Um, in many cases, if the gut health is really really good, this disease may, depending on the severity of it and the the uh, the amount of exposure to this uh, disease organism, might just pass you by. Okay. Um, very, very important to have a good, uh, solid, um, healthy gut uh, in your flock. And um, uh, if I said it once on this show, I've said it thousands of times. At least I feel like I have. Um, become a poop inspector. When they get down off that roost in the morning, that's your opportunity to examine right off the bat, without even touching a bird, the health of your flock. I mean, those droppings are going to tell you a lot. You're going to be able to see worms in them. You're going to be able to see blood in them. You're going to be able to see droppings that are loose. And, you know, if it's just one bird, that's one thing. If it's a bunch of birds, you know there's an issue coming around. And you need to look and see what they're eating, uh, where they've been if they're free range, you know. Are they eating a dead deer carcass down the back of the property or some old skunk that they found somewhere and they're eating that or whatever, rotting vegetation. Uh, um, you know, while a lot of folks... Uh, think it's okay to let your birds run around in your compost pile, maybe not so much. We know that, you know, a lot of bacteria get started in rotting vegetation and, uh, you know, then become a problem uh, later on, uh, you know, for the entire flock. So, you know, to manage these things, uh, um, it's important that, you know, good gut health uh, be understood and be maintained. Uh, it's, it's, uh, It's the most important thing you can do for your birds, being about 60% of the immune cells lie in that intestinal tract, you're going to want to keep that that uh, that gut healthy. You're going to want to try to ward off. Look, it's a lot easier to prevent something than it is to, to fix it after it's started. Okay, uh, but a lot of these uh, these different diseases, uh, it's extremely important. Uh, uh, the cost of, of of getting a flock healthy again after the disease has taken a toehold. Uh, you know, is uh, can be very uh, daunting. Um, I'll give you a, a quick example. It has nothing to do with this conversation other than the fact that um, uh, by taking preventative steps, you can prevent things. Um, in the last few weeks, um, a person uh, contacted me uh, with uh, some birds that um, had recently been to a show um, and we're now exhibiting symptoms uh, that were respiratory in nature, 
And then uh, the kicker uh, to that was uh, that uh, the birds were now coughing up blood. And <clears throat> there really is only uh, technically one disease that, that really does that, uh, and that's laryngotracheitis. And, um, you know, trying to get, you know, a diagnosis um, from a laboratory that is not schooled in doing such uh, becomes a problem. You know, the laboratory came back said, you know, that they didn't see anything, um, but yet the mortality was there and spreading pen-to-pen, uh, bird-to-bird, uh, and, and so on. And um, what I'm driving at here is a simple vaccination. If you're on that show circuit, um, it makes sense for LT. And, you know, we get into this thing of, oh, I don't want to vaccinate birds, I don't want carrier birds, and this and that and the other thing. The, uh, if you use the proper vaccine, you won't have any of those problems. And the only remedy then is to vaccinate in the face of this. And you're still going to get more mortality because some birds uh, are going to be so far gone that when you vaccinate them, it, uh, it's not going to make much of a difference. Now, uh, these birds were then uh, vaccinated, and now it's under control. But the cost of doing so... Um, the individual contacted me and, and was going to get some more testing done and, and, uh, and so on. Uh, but the amount of birds that had already been lost by the time this was all under control, uh, if you just put a, 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 uh, uh, a simple dollar value on the birds of, of 30 bucks a piece, figuring these are, are show birds uh, that were in show pens that have been shown, uh, you were looking at an excess of 14, 1500 bucks. And then on top of that, another five, six hundred dollars for testing and vaccine and stuff. So you look at a two thousand dollar investment that could have been handled very easily for under fifty bucks. So it it, it doesn't mean that everybody needs to run out tomorrow and vaccinate. That's not what I'm saying. You need to protect yourself. You need to understand uh, what's going on and how important these things uh, are. Uh, you know, to mitigate the circumstances before they get started. So this particular disease, one of the ways you can, can tell, it's not scientific, but it works, um, if you've tried everything else, you've tried neomycin, bestracin, uh, oxytetracycline, you've tried Solmet, you've tried uh, sulfadimethoxine, you've tried Amprol uh, or a combination of these things, you're getting nowhere, and you still have these birds squirting out. This, uh, you know, there's two things you can do. If you're one that doesn't want medication, uh, you can try the oil of oregano. Uh, we've seen it work in several different cases where nothing else has worked. <clears throat> Can I definitively say that those birds had spirochetosis? No, I can't say that, and nobody else can either. But we know everything else that uh, we think would work for it uh, has not worked. The other thing you can try is to use Denigard. We know that Denigard works very well against this particular uh, organism. And I will mention the offending organism for you because, again, it's one of those ones that's that's very hard to to pronounce, uh, difficult to spell, um, and um, uh, it's um, not overly necessary really because most of you are never going to get the diagnosis of of of, of this particular uh, strain of this, but it's uh, it's worthy uh, just throwing it out there. Um, Brachyspira, that's B-R-A-C-H-Y-S-P-I-R-A. Pilosicoli, that's P-I-L-O-S-I-C-O-L-I. Okay, 
Now you got it. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> it's. Um, I had a couple of people accuse me, uh, uh, you know, say, well, you, you, I like your show and stuff, but you use two bigger words. Well, sometimes you just got to spit them out there, and they're there. Uh, but it is a bacteria, and the thing to remember about it is it's a bacteria kind of like with a motor. I guess that's another way of explaining it with these flagella uh, attached to it. And um, um, it, it, it's, it's worthy of, of mentioning all of this because it's it's coming on. We're seeing more of it. Um, uh, and we're going to see more of it as more people get birds, uh, swap birds right. around, uh, and, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, we've talked to a blue in the face, I reckon, about uh, you know the gut health thing, and I can't emphasize that uh, or overemphasize it because it is it is the driving force behind these things as to what how a bird uh, ends up getting sick or whether it will get sick or not uh, in many cases. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, if if an organism is uh, uh, available to the birds in in a uh, in enough quantity, it's probably going to overwhelm it, no matter what you do. But it certainly is going to be better off, and all the research shows this. Okay, that you're better off to have a gut, healthy gut to start with. The disease may not be as severe, may not be as prolonged uh, as it would be if the birds were in tough shape to start with. So, hey, I need to go. I'm going to go to break real quick, but I'm going to uh, talk about that when we come back real quick as well, and and okay. uh, kind of the theory of, of of why that works as well. We've talked about it on the show a lot. Um, we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor today. There's more to come. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this very short break. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from seven to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensea.com. Brensea spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brensea.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brency, technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. 
They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com. And try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. As we uh, slowly wrap up today's show, we've had a great one with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, but we're talking about gut health. There was another article today that came out on the commercial side, commercial sector, about uh, gut health and the importance of that really combating uh, many different types of diseases. Very interesting article there, and, and I think over the last few years, uh, people have found out that, that that's, uh, that's key 
and uh, a lot of people start using the term, if I'm not mistaken, kind of competitive exclusion, meaning uh, if I fill up this cup with good bacteria, there is no room for any bad bacteria in that cup because it's already full with good bacteria. So that's just kind of a theory there that a lot of people in the term that they like to use when describing, you know, gut health and the use of probiotics, prebiotics, and, and things like that. So uh, and you've talked about it for years, Peter. Yeah, yeah. The uh, you know, A couple things to, to, to bear in mind with this thing, too. Um, disinfecting uh, your premise uh, when it needs to be done, uh, when you're cleaning out, you know, uh, manure or uh, droppings, whatever, um, goes a long way, uh, you know, to uh, keeping this thing, should it uh, be in, in your flock, uh, to keeping it under control or spreading it around. Uh, easily disinfected against this particular one. Uh, has a thin cell wall, which makes it easier uh, to, to do um, uh, as far as, you know, disinfection is concerned. And getting back to the probiotics part of it, um, one of the reasons, actually two of the reasons why probiotics uh, should be used and are so successful in doing what, they're, what they do is because they compete for space on the gut wall. The lactobacillus acidophilus um, competes for space on the gut wall, actually attaches itself to the gut wall. So these... Uh, this particular bacteria uh, that we're talking about here today uh, does the same thing. It's going to come along and want to attach itself, and it it can be if it's the gut is properly populated with the lactobacillus, uh, it is going to uh, deny uh, it a place to hang out and set up shop. And um, the other thing that the uh, the lactobacillus is going to do is it's going to produce acid. Uh, and change the pH of the gut and is going to make it uncomfortable for other bacteria uh, that don't like that kind of environment, more acidic environment, uh, to be uh, less able to attach themselves because there isn't any space and there really isn't any uh, conducive environment for them to hang around, so they're just defecated out. Uh, It's when you don't maintain that uh, good gut health that we talk about you know, that this starts to break things down. Uh, The uh, first line of defense that the gut has against any pathogen is the mucus layer that uh, lays in between and on top of of the the villi of the gut. Once you break that down, that's Katie bar the door. You know, now you've given everything an opportunity. That's a direct pipeline into the bird's bloodstream. So that's, you know, one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why things in birds become systemic very quickly. The other is they don't have a, a diaphragm like you and I do, so um, there's, there's nothing to stop anything. And uh, also, a small amount of air that a bird breathes in its body goes into the bones, uh, which is left over from uh, years past when birds, you know, chickens actually did fly. So... Um, that in itself makes it easier for things to become systemic and go downhill. I mean, people tell me all the time, you know, I don't understand it. They were good yesterday and they're dead today. Well, it, it doesn't take very long. And um, so the better condition you can keep your, your birds in, get that five-gallon bucket out, uh, sit in the, in the yard, coop, wherever it is, and observe your birds uh, as often as you can. And uh, it makes a big difference. Uh, and it's whether they're going to be surviving or whether they're going to be uh, ill and you're going to have a long battle trying to get them straightened out. Um, and a couple of things I want to note here. Uh, that, that, 
I see a lot of people making sure. posts around about uh, avian influenza. It's gone. Uh, the the the, no, uh, no. <laughs> the government is is you know uh, stating. I wish they wouldn't put these things out because it just irritates me. And um, you know that you know they've kind of like made a certification now that it, you know there there are no more active cases. Blah 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 blah. But I'll go back and say this again. This is not, and I repeat, not just a U.S. problem. This is a worldwide problem, and they're having outbreaks all over Europe uh, and places over there. So it has not gone away. It may not be here in your backyard. So I just want to remind everybody that it has not gone away. You may not see it here right at the moment, and hopefully we won't. Keep your guard up. Keep your biosecurity up. Keep doing the things that you know are going to keep your flock protected, and that's to keep quit buying birds from sources that you that you don't know. Um, I had a, another client here uh, who's learning the ropes the hard way. Um, individual very interested in, in doing things right, uh, kicking oneself in the butt for not having uh, done due diligence, but went and bought some birds from an individual. Uh, a backyard breeder, and uh, put the rest of that flock of, of theirs uh, in jeopardy because now the birds that they brought in are sicker than a dog. And, yep. you know, when the breeder's contacted, of course he never has any problems, you know. And so just don't put yourself in, in that in that position. Um, you know, trying to fix I'm saying things. This. Uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I no, just, you know, when you bring in things from other people, you don't know what the hell you're getting. You just don't. That's very true. I'll mention also on this uh, avian influenza thing, um, just to give some uh, factual information to folks that think, oh, we're out of the woods. Uh, We are not. In fact, last year, during the massive outbreak that we had with millions and millions of birds that had to be culled, the first reporting of that here in the United States was not until December the 12th, which was three days ago last year, was when the Mm -hmm. first finding was up on the West Coast, up in Oregon, so we are just now beginning into the the high, I guess high risk area if you want to call it that. So you know people are thinking, hey, it's it's gone away. You're right. There's no active cases right now. They have kind of beamed these these farms from last year um, <clears throat> free of this, and they've already kind of uh, cleared the the houses. They got new birds in them now. Da 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 da. Um, but but we the first reporting of that last year was not until December 12th. So we are right now. Uh, in in the heat of this uh, risk area from from last year. And also, just last week, there was a duck in Oregon that was found by a hunter that was turned in, and it was confirmed they have not, um, and apparently they can't, the science, whatever, uh, have not identified the strain, but they did confirm it was avian influenza, but they have not... um, figured out what H5 into any of that. They haven't none of that yet. Um but this was a couple of weeks ago, just one one duck. So that you know, but but yeah, we are not out of the woods, uh no pun intended at, at all yet, um, regarding this. In fact last year again, December twelfth was the first uh, confirmation here in the state. So we're we're right in the, the middle of that right or not right at the beginning. There's so but yeah, we hope it does not happen. That's that's for darn sure. So wanted to elaborate yeah. on that a little bit. I felt it was necessary to bring it up just because, you know, we're seeing this stuff and people have a tendency to, to get lax about things, and I don't think this is the time to do that. 
I, I, I completely agree. Yep. Keep keep doing your biosecurity basics. So whatever you can do to to keep your backyard block uh, safe from infectious poultry diseases, I com- completely agree. So, well, good point. Thanks for uh, coming on today. We look forward to uh, seeing you probably the next week, next Monday or Tuesday. We last show of the year uh, actually for for us, and so uh, we look forward to seeing you then. I hope you have a wonderful week. Okay, you too. Thank you. All right, thank you. That's Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. If they don't have it, you don't need it. Take a look at their website. Take a look at all the stuff that he's got to keep your backyard flocks healthy. That's going to wrap up another show here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We hope to see you this coming Thursday with another great episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer when I welcome poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae. So we hope you can see us uh, coming up here uh, this Thursday, and uh, I'm not sure exactly what time that show is going to be, but of course, I will post it on our Facebook page. Come back, come back, back. come back, come back, come back, 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 come back, back, Feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H-Feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All right, thanks. Thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, have a great week. We'll see you here in a couple of days. God bless everybody. <laughs> Oh.